You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. 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 Great intro. Okay, okay so we got a little, a little bit of good news to start. So this morning it's been circulating that it looks like training camp, the wheels are in motion. You got players from overseas scheduled to come in. Got the quarantine process already all laid out. Apparently there's seven players already in Calgary. The wheels are in motion. Yeah, so Salim Nadim Valji, who is the new Calgary Jermaine Franklin guy, apparently he's Jermaine's replacement. Oh, okay. So welcome to the club, Salim. Jermaine, um, we're sorry to see you go, bud. Sorry to see you go. Salim seems like a cool guy, but I still wish we had Jermaine. Jermaine is like one of the only legit... Big shoes to fill, Salim. Yeah, Salim, you're, it's up to you to ask the questions, the hard questions that nobody else will ask other than Jermaine. Just lobbing softballs. If you want to fill in those shoes, just grow a pair like Ger- like Jermaine had. Do you remember when Jermaine was interviewing Ron Wilson during the play- the Flame Sharks playoff series and Wilson walked out on him? That was fucking epic. That was oh, so vag- good. Vaguely. We got to pull that up. Yeah, we'll pull epic. that up. It was so good. Anyway, Salim tweeted this morning that a group of players from Europe, including Jacob Markstrom, are expected to arrive in Calgary on Sunday and Monday joining seven flames who are already here. I think that's like a group of like Gio, Lucic, probably Dubé, a few other guys. Cool. Um, and you you got to think that the players would from overseas would only start their travel process if they had a pretty good inkling inclination that shit was going to start to happen here pretty soon. Yeah, you'd think so because otherwise, like, again, they're going to have to quarantine when they get here. So it's a pretty big production to just – come here and then yeah. fuck around if it's not going to happen. So I'm sure there's some sort of faction in the in the NHLPA that is communicating with players being like, you know what? Things are are looking good or whatever. Now is a good time to start your travel plans and whatnot. That that'd be my guess. I don't know for sure, but yeah. and why I, why else if if the PA was like, you know what? We're not even close. Like why would they be sending these guys over to their NHL clubs already? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, again, like we talked about last time, I, there's no way they're not going to have a season. I don't think, even though this, this the league and the PA have always fought, like even if they're arguing over money, zero m- money is better than no money, especially for the players. I think so. Yeah, I think there'll be a resolution. All right, season two, episode two. Here we go. Today we're going to cover um, some of the newcomers. We're going to focus on the forwards today. So we're going to look at Josh Levo, Dominique. Simone, hey, not Dom Simon. Simon. Hey, Dom Simon. Hey, He's a good hey. public boy. Hey. Dom Simon. And uh, obviously, Yorkie Dorky Nordstrom. So, I'm going over these guys. Like, probably what you'll hear today, I'll be going through more of the counting stats. Mikey's going to jump into more of the advanced stats. 
I'm curious, what was your, before we, before we kind of deep dive on each player, what was your overall impression of um, the three different players coming in? Well, I, I like two of these signings. And again, they're all okay. they're all league minimum, almost league minimum deals. So I mean, there's not much you can complain about in terms of the dollar. Like Levo was a guy I know the Flames have been interested in, even going back to when he was in Toronto. Trey Living said they'd been looking at him for a long time. So he was a guy I kind of I was interested in, irregardless of anybody else. Like he's a skilled guy who can score some goals. I mean, who doesn't want that guy on their team? Simone really kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't, I. I was like, oh, okay, I guess. But Nordstrom is just kind of like in the... I remember, you'll probably remember us complaining about this when he first signed. It's like, he's like he's like last year's reader. It's like, he's t- why, like, why are you signing this guy? It's unnecessary. Yeah. So Especially the, when he was the first first of the three to be signed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah. he's meh. So, I mean, I like Levo a lot. Simone, we'll see. I think he's got some potential, and Nordstrom is kind of like a meh. I don't really yeah. see the point of signing him, so... It's kind of like I'm, a I'm, range of emotion. Yeah, I'm in a similar boat. I feel like Levo is probably your most solid pickup. However, I am most intrigued with Simone. I feel like if there's any guy that could potentially... I, Simone, to me, may have a bigger ceiling with Levo. We'll get into it, right. but I feel like with Levo, what you see is what you get. We, can, we know what to expect. Whereas Simone might be a bit of a wild card in terms of what his ceiling might be, depending on where he ends up in the lineup. Yeah, like Simone is intriguing to me. I think you know what you're probably going to get from Levo. I think, yeah, the upside is more definitive with Levo. Like if he comes in and does what we think he can do, he's going to score some goals. But Simone could be a pretty useful player if he plays up to his potential. Yeah. All right, so let's get into the background of these guys. We did a few of these podcasts um, last offseason with some of the newcomers and some of the guys that were returning just to kind of get to know your players. Obviously, we got three new guys. Um, I learned a bit by doing this, just, you know, learning from where these guys came from, and it helps you kind of get a gauge on what you can expect to see. We'll probably start with Levo, hey? Yeah, let's start with Levo. He's the most substantial. Okay. Um, drafted, well, he, first off, 27 years old now, from Ontario, drafted by the Leafs, like you mentioned, in round three, 86th overall in 2011. What I thought was interesting here was um, he was drafted as an 18-year-old after just one year of junior. Like, does that happen very often? Um, where did he play prior to that? So he's playing in Sudbury in the OHL. Okay. And his first year of junior as a, uh, I guess, 17 or 8-year-old, 18-year-old, not 8-year-old. 8-year-old? <laughs> Whoa, he's a prodigy. Oh, my Lord. Only Gretzky, guys. Um, but... He only had 30 points in his 64 games. It wasn't like, you know, he put up massive numbers. It wasn't like he was only 16 or 15 playing in the dub. Right. Um, I'm, I don't know. Like, I was kind of shocked to see that he went in the third round just playing one year out of junior. Well, he was a Leafs draft pick, right? Yeah. Yeah, he kinda, I think he kind of fits that Leafs, that Leafs drafting philosophy. Um, it's, it's, it's always weird. Like... Whenever you hear where these guys come from, it's like they seem so like he seems old at twenty seven. I'm like, oh, this guy's been around the league forever. He's twenty seven years old. Like that's insane. He's still very. He's still in this younger than like Drow and stuff. It's ridiculous how young these guys are. But I mean, he spent a lot of time in the in the Marley system in the AHL. So he's yeah. he's been, he cooked. 
whatever developing he maybe didn't get done in in junior it seems he kind of got done in the ahl because he cooked down there for a while like he's his first season with his first game with the marlies was like in what 2011 and he kind of yep. bounced back and forth between the leafs and the marlies until 2017 so he's yep. he's been developing a lot in in the minor leagues for sure yeah so drafted in 2011 like you mentioned he played his first nhl game oh sorry first ahl game the following season while he was still in junior so he, he played three years junior uh in the ohl and then right after that he was a real serviceable ahl player so i think what we're looking at here if you look at um the the years between 2012 all the way up to 2018 for six years he was just kind of in and out of the minors it looked like the the the, the latter part of that, the, the final three years of his, his years in Toronto, he was a stay a stay at home player on the club, but more like a thirteenth forward. He doesn't didn't play any full seasons, um, and there's some kind of whatever you want to call it um, rumor that he requested a trade. So apparently Nick Kiprios reported this on the on in 2018 that he requested a trade because he wasn't being utilized very much by the by the Maple Leafs, which is if you're looking at the stats, pretty apparent. But uh, Lou Lamoretto he denied those, but then he was traded like right after that to Vancouver. So he's like one of those guys like we've seen it a lot in you know just watching our own Kyrie Flames team where. Doesn't get enough opportunity. He could probably be an NHL player, um, but he, you know, it wasn't until he got to the the Canucks that he actually put in closer to to a full season. Um, and then obviously last year he was injured, so he has he's played pretty much one full season in the NHL, and that's about it. And it looks like in the past three years he's started to really, you know, find a spot uh, in the NHL as an actual, you know nightly player well yeah you like i again i don't i don't know the ins and outs of the josh levo requesting a trade rumor but i mean if he was there during the mike babcock era um right (laughs) i mean well that that pretty much says enough right right there right like you remember how bill how frustration with how bill peters would use use guys like dubay i mean i can only imagine that (laughs) I can only imagine that Mike Babcock maybe uh, again, maybe not just specifically Levo, but um, I mean, younger players not getting utilized properly. That sounds like a Mike Babcock thing to do, right? Yeah. Yes. I th- like I my guess so. is, he, my guess is if Kiparos reported it yeah. and Lou Lamoretto denied it, he probably asked for a trade, especially if you're looking at the situation. Right. Um, I'm sure as a like he's not getting much playing time in TO and. Because he's not even playing in the AHL, he's just kind of wasting away in the in the bleachers. Um, so then he's got something to prove going to Vancouver, and let's like how many goals has he scored in the last few seasons? Well, he's let's been yeah, like he played with Pedersen last year a lot. He was having the thing is he was having a really good season last year until he got hurt. So he scored yeah, ten so goals he, the year previous in forty nine games. Which is his well, yeah, but if you because he's coming from Toronto in eighteen nineteen, so he yeah. had fourteen goals on the season, right? So not bad. Not I mean, bad, but he really especially took, yeah, especially if he's leaving TO where he's not getting utilized enough, he probably could have scored twenty, maybe even twenty five goals if he played a full season in eighteen nineteen, 
And then, like you mentioned uh, last season, before getting injured, he only played 36 games. Uh, but playing with Pedersen, he was starting to, to get some traction. He had seven goals, 12 assists. Yeah, he he was having a really good season until he had an injury. I think it was like his kneecap or something gross. But, I mean, he was yeah. really on a roll Fractured there. kneecap. Yeah. Um, and, again, I've been watching a lot of highlights. Like, I mean, if you play with Elias Pedersen, pretty much all you have to do is get open. But I mean, yeah. I can see a lot of the, a lot of the goals he scored this year. I could see him scoring alongside. We'll get into where he'll play in a bit. But alongside a playmaker like Johnny Gaudreau, I think I think Josh Levo could fit in very nicely. He's got yeah, a really funny. he's got a really good shot. And I mean, the Flames have such a lack of right-handed shooters. It's just that that alone is a is a plus right there. So a guy who's a right-handed shot who can who shoots a lot. Hell yeah! yeah he, I watched his highlights. He's not a flashy guy, um, but like you mentioned, he does have a really good wrist, wrist, wrist shot, snap shot. He can get it away quick. He knows where to where to to pick him. Um, he does have a good shot. So, and like you like you mentioned, right shoots right. He plays left wing. I don't know if he can swap sides. I'm sure he can. Most wingers can. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be fine. And he's he's a vo- he's a volume shooter. Like he shoots a ton. Um. So he's going to be shooting the puck a lot, which, I mean, I really do think the Flames need a guy like that. Like, even though you have a guy like Monaghan and Lindholm, they're, they're not, they don't really shoot a lot. They're, they're more snipers. Like, they can, they have nice, accurate shots, but in terms of shot contributions, you're not getting a lot from those two guys. So, I mean, yeah, a guy that's just mo- going to fire the puck from everywhere is, is something this team doesn't have. Yeah, Monty and Elias are more finishers. Yeah. So, reading a bit about the about him on the the Canucks blogs, um, they say he's really reliable defensively. He gets a lot of comparison um, with shit. What's the other guy on the Canucks? Besser. Vertanen. Vertanen. Oh, Vertanen, right? Yeah. Yeah, because if they ha- if the Canucks had to part with one or the other, it's like a lot of the Canucks fans were in a debate who it should be. Yeah, and it, it sounded like most fans wanted to keep Levo over. Tannen, um, but obviously the way Jim Benning had was up against the cap wasn't possible, so we scooped him up. And what's what are we paying him? Is it league minimum? It's or close to It's just above league minimum. It's eight seven five k. Is it just for a year? Yeah, it's one year deal. Okay, so it's kind of a show me type deal. Um, but if out of the three, I had to take a you know a safe bet on terms of who's the most potentially gonna get re-signed would be probably leave out of the three yeah totally he i mean if he has a big year this year i mean he could sign here he could sign elsewhere this is like you said a show me deal because again some a lot of his underlying numbers are good his even strength offense is good his shooting is good um, his goal rates are good he's like he was playing with Pedersen last year against pretty tough competition so a lot of his underlings are good i think now it's just a a matter of seeing those results over an extended period of time. Um, so I think this, I think if he does play well and earn a contract, I'd love to see him. Cause I mean, this is a guy who can play in your top six and that's the flames need that so badly. Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I t- will take signings like this all day long over signings like <laughs> reader and Nordstrom. So I really like this. Okay. Pickup. Well, let's let's get into a bit on where we think would be a good fit for Levo. Uh, I watched a video with Francis, and you did uh, I mean it seems so often we're debunking yeah. him. So I think maybe we'll have to debunk him again just for the sake of it. But 
Um, he thinks that they're going to give Levo a nice long look um, with an Elias Lindholm line. That's what he's saying. So, Like Lindholm at center? I guess so. Uh, he didn't really go to, to the extent of uh, naming all the players on the line, but it's maybe maybe he's thinking it's a Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, Levo line. I still don't know if they're going to start the season as splitting up Johnny and Monty. But regardless, Francis's point is that both Levo and Simone can play top six minutes. Uh, we'll get to Simone in a sec, but in terms of Levo, where would you start him off in the season? Where do you think he could fit in, and where do you think he'll end up? Well, again, it's it's probably it's probably going to depend on what they're doing with Kadro Monahan because if you're not splitting up Kadro Monahan, because we have to assume the Flames are going to change something, right? <laughs> they're yeah. not going to roll into well, who knows. I can't imagine they're rolling into the 2021 season with the exact same lines, the Gaudreau, Monahan, Lindholm, and the 3M line. So, I mean, I think I think realistically he's either going to play on the flank with Gaudreau and Monahan, or maybe he's he's in the bottom six on, like, starts on a third line, maybe between, like, maybe you put him with, on the right wing of, like, a Bennett-Dubay combination or something. I think the yeah. most sense makes to, it makes most sense to give him top nine minutes. Because, again, you don't want... Yep. I mean, like, you have so many other guys who can fulfill the fourth-line role. When you got a guy who's skilled and can shoot, he needs to see a lot of reps. Um, he needs to have a bit more ice time and a bit more substantial ice time. So, I mean, in terms of fit, I think he fits very well into the top nine, probably the middle six. But, like, off the bat, if you're keeping that 3M line together or you're moving Lindholm off that line and keeping Gaudreau Monaghan together i really do think the best place just looking at it on paper for him to go would be on the right side with Gaudreau and monahan okay now did you get a chance to i know there's there's one um one of the metrics you like to use where you can actually put people in their lines and you can measure their above replacement yep. numbers did you toy around with that and based on WAR where he might be a good fit? Yeah, I did. So uh, Jay Fresh Hockey, he has a projected war model which just kind of takes past results and projects them into the future. So um, yeah, Levo would be, I think the number was like 1.3. I don't have it right in front of me, but he's definitely ab above average. He's definitely going to uh, be above replacement in terms of the war statistic. So I mean... Now, does that take into account both offense and defense, or yeah. do you look at it in two different? It's perspectives? both. You can you can look at you can look at both. That's where I was going next because definitely it's more heavily weighted based on his offensive metrics and his ability to drive play via shooting the puck a lot and scoring a lot. Like yeah. I, I mean, his his even strength defensive metrics were meh. They're okay. weren't great. They okay. weren't like Monahan level. Um, but, I mean, most of his value comes from the fact that he creates a lot of offense. So okay. I, that's why I think he would work with, again, depending on how they're going to roll out Gaudreau and Monaghan. I just think he, again, like watching him play with Pedersen, Pedersen's setting him up a lot. Another another thing that I noticed is he does have a really good shot coming off the rush. I've seen quite a few goals from last year and then in his time in Toronto where he's, he's up the ice with Pedersen and kind of just sniping from the from the face-off dots. So again, if Johnny, you know, if he, Johnny Gaudreau, similar skill set, making plays off the rush, I think a guy who can snipe from the circles is is a good fit. 
Yeah. So if you're Ward, where are you going to start him training camp slash first 10 games of the season? Where do you want to, where do you want to attempt to make a fit off the bat? Top line? I I, th- I would, yeah, I think the best fit is the Gaudreau line. The Gaudreau okay. line and then give him some power play time on the second unit. Okay. So my, my whole synopsis on um, Levo and this is, Look, the only time I've seen Levo play is when we play him in, in Vancouver and some Vancouver highlights. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know a lot about Levo, but just doing a little bit of research that I did, um, how, my synopsis on him is he's a, kind of those guys, what you see is what you get. We talked about this. We mentioned it. I think we can we know pretty much well what to expect. We kind of can expect where his ceiling is going to be. Um, he, like we mentioned, he's got a good shot. By all accounts, it sounds like he's a responsible player. Um, and if you look at his, you know, counting stats throughout his career, he hasn't been an offensive juggernaut by any means. Even in, um, even in in junior, there's one season where he was slightly above a point per game. So he he's not gonna be an offensive, you know. Yeah, he's a goal scorer. That's pretty much it, right? Like I kind of think of like. Um... Not not Monahan, but like you remember Monahan's no. first season, he had like twenty goals and like ten assists. It's like yeah. that's well, kind of the production you can probably expect. Yeah, I looked at him a bit, comparing him to Monahan, just curious out of curiosity's sake. I mean, Levo himself has played one hundred and seventy um, NHL games. He's only scored thirty one goals in in one hundred and sixty nine games. Yeah. If you look at Monahan, it's not uncommon for Monahan to to push thirty goals or hit thirty goals or more in a season. Um, so they don't score at the same rate, but like you said, he's got a good shot. He knows how to find at the back of the net. Um, I, I kind of feel like he maybe is a little bit less skilled than a player like Ryan in terms of an overall game, yeah, but he's definitely. he's, he's definitely more physical, which I think would give him the ability to, um, to be more effective positionally and probably even score more goals than Ryan could. So, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't really think you're going to see a lot of offensive production, like enough for me to put him in the top, on the top line. Maybe not even in the top six. Um, it sounds to me just kind of from what I can gather that I personally think he might be um, the best fit as a solid fixture on the third line. I don't think you want to be messing around putting this guy on the fourth line. You're just wasting wasting another player, which this t- you know, organization seems to like mm-hmm. they do anyways. So maybe we will see that, but I might start him as like a fixture on the third line. Um, and that line itself needs an identity. And I would say that, because we would talk about this, like we haven't had a third line that's been a solid identity. The, the, the closest thing we've seen to a third line being really effective is obviously yeah. in the doubt in the Dallas series with the Bennett, Lucic and Dubé. And that was a pretty small sample size over the last 10 years of Calgary. Flames. Well, and if you go back to the fourth line, that was so good of Ryan Manjupani and Hathaway that should have been the third line. Yeah. I mean, we've been making an argument that Backlund should be centering the third line for two to three years now for that, uh, reason of like you need a third line that has an identity that knows what they're doing what they're producing every single night i feel like maybe now is the time to do that where levo is a permanent fixture on the third line and that identity of the line is a solid two-way line that has the ability to shut down play other top six minutes against other teams um, as well as contribute offensively so 
if I look down the Calgary Flames roster, I feel like players that he would pair well with, um, I think he would actually do well on a on a backland Mangiapane line. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. But I also like um, the... I think he would actually go really well as a pairing with a guy like Sam Bennett if Sam Bennett got um, a permanent fixture on the third line center role. So I like those. I think he might even pair well with Lucic as well. He might pair well with uh, Derek Ryan if Derek Ryan was his center. You got two really responsible players. It might be interesting to see if if they you know, had another winger, what that might look like. But for me to start off the season, I think the perfect fit would be um, Bennett at center on the third line with Levo, and I would start with Dubé. Now, one caveat here is that I think you, if you're, if you're Jeff Ward, and hopefully, you know, there's some sense of the organization can, in some way, shed light to Jeff Ward in this. Is like you have to be careful. You have guys like Sam Bennett that haven't. They haven't been given an opportunity. If you look at Josh Levo's history in Toronto, the reason why he wanted to leave, he wasn't getting playing time. So if you want to bring in a guy like Josh Levo, pretty much league minimum, one-year deal, and now you're slotting him in the in the roster ahead of a guy like Sam Bennett, where it's just like Sam Bennett, when's this guy going to get a you know a permanent chance to to solidify a role in the NHL, other than just you know the final week of the season in the playoffs um i think you got to be careful with that of slotting him higher in the lineup above some of these guys that have been on the team for a while yeah no i and you know what now that you say it like i do actually kind of like the idea of a like maybe pairing him with a mangiapani in a in a backland just because a lot of his underlying numbers are good and it's just like he he could he could pair really well with those two guys but you know i agree like Again, like to me, it all comes down with what's going on in the top six first and foremost, and then he'll slot in after that. So, yep. um, depending on what they do with Lindholm on the right side with Gaudreau Monahan, just if they are going to move, that that's just what I like. If you're going to move Lindholm off that line and leave those two guys together, like who goes there? I think the most natural fit would be Lebo above anybody else. So, yeah, and again, like I have a feeling we might mention mention this a few times today is this whole concept of like why did you get go out and get what you don't you don't need first and foremost what you need first and foremost is another top six guy yeah because what you're running the risk of doing here in my opinion looking at these new players being added in is you have more players now than you have spots and roles and sure that worked as long as you have all your you know your top most prominent roles you have players to fill those but you don't like you we're, we're still short of a legitimate top six player and I get it. You're up against the cap. So it'd be nice if you can fill it internally, but you're, we're going to come up with this problem of like, okay, well, if you take, if you take Levo, put him on the top line, then where does Lindholm go? Then where does yeah, Backlund go? Exactly. Then where does Bennett go? And it's just, it just kind of fucks everything up. Well, it's like down it, it, the roster. Yeah. It's a revolving door. That's been there for like, that's been like, cause that's the thing, right? It's like, okay, go back even a few years when it's like, oh, I guess Chason's on the top line. Oh, okay. For like 20 games. And then it's Brower. And then it's Furlin. It's like, oh, Lindholm comes in and he's good there. Just, eh, we don't want Lindholm there. It's just like, 
I mean, you, you I, like, and you got you got Neil to play there, and then he yeah. doesn't ever seize the top line because Lindholm <laughs> solidifies that role. Right? So it's like, it's that's not the area I think you want <laughs> to just be leaving open just for competition, right? Like if you want to bring in a lot of yeah. guys to fill out your your middle six or bottom six, do it, right? Like you're gonna create competition. You guys are gonna be fighting for roles, but I mean, how up? Like we've seen this experiment play out specifically last year. It's like. Spots were open everywhere in the top six for, for guys, and, like, nobody could nail it down other than Manjipani. Like, Thank God he did. And he, he did, but, I mean, like, you literally could have, if you wanted to grab a top six spot last year or a top nine spot, all you pretty much had to do was have a goddamn heartbeat and show up a little bit and show some sort of, like, right? So. Yeah. We've seen this experiment where it's like, ah, well, there's lots of bodies, so somebody will grab the reins. It's like, I just wish they'd allocate proper resources to, like you said, solidifying the positions that are very important first and then creating that internal competition around it. Like, if you have, if you had signed Tyler Toffoli and Josh Levo, I'd be way more stoked because it's like, well, now if Levo isn't what he's supposed to be, which is a scoring winger, then you just have another body there who's not doing anything. 100%. End of yeah. land. So that's where I would, I don't know. I think I might try and, and and give him a permanent role in the third line. And like... Well, again, it depends on this, how strategic this never, they're getting, right? Like, I, they never seem to do what I would do. <laughs> like, when I look at how I would configure the lines and why I would configure them that way, and you too, it's like, there's a strategy behind who you're playing with who. It's like, they never seem to go down that road. It's just like... Get out the blender or go back to the exact same old faithful. <laughs> yep. I have a feeling, if I had to guess, that they'll probably try Levo with Johnny Money to start the season. Yeah, and I mean, again, because how many times have we seen that? It's like, here you go, Johnny. Give a guy a career year so he can go out and sign a deal. Like, we've seen Furlan yep. there, Brower there, Chase on there, Neil there. So, I, I, I think the most telling sign will be if they move Lindholm to center. I can't imagine anybody else plays with Gaudreau Monahan if it's not Levo. So we'll see. But I do really like because again, like he he's not he is he he's not great defensively, but he can drive play and he's very confident in his own zone. So I I think he fits in perfectly on a third line as well. So yeah, I think he's and on the third line or the first line probably is where he's the quote unquote first line. Now, given what we just went over, he's. It's probably safe to say he's going to spend the entire season. Hopefully, he stays healthy in the top nine. Um, what are you projecting for this season? How many goals do you think this guy will score? Well, if he's playing with Goudreau, I mean, he definitely should and could score over twenty. Like he was on a he was on a good pace clip last year playing with Pedersen. Um, and again, like you said, if they're going to bury him and not use him, probably not many because he's a volume shooter. He needs to get his reps in and get a lot of shot attempts to see his goal results. Um, so I think if he's if he's consistently getting top six minutes, I don't think it's out of the question for him to score 20 goals. I mean, 20-goal pace. Like, they're obviously playing, what, 56 games? Yeah, so but if it was 82 games. Yeah, okay. pro-rated a 20-goal season. So Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I don't would say think anywhere, that's out of anywhere. the realm of possibilities. I would say you can probably project him to score in the 18 to 20 range like, you know, pretty, I'm not going to say easily because it's not easy to score goals, but I mean, that's probably a safe guesstimate. But let's say he does play 
a, a significant amount of time in the in the top six and maybe time with Johnny Gaudreau, he could score twenty five. Yeah, no, totally. I I think so. Like, I mean, he's, his his uh, career high is fourteen, and and last year I don't know, I didn't do the, the math, but he scored seven goals in thirty six games. Like that's on pace for that's over twenty for sure. Yeah, seven goals in how many games? Twenty thirty six. Thirty six. A little quick math calculation. Yeah, that's well, it's sixteen goals, sixteen goal pace. That's in the range, though. Yeah. And I mean, okay. the other thing is too, if he gets power play two time. Um. But I mean, you saw what happened to Elias Lindholm when he started playing full full time with Johnny Gaudreau on his flank. Like Lindholm's yeah. career high previously was like what sixteen in his rookie year. Might yeah. might not no one saw that coming. I think was it Commodore? We had him on. He was Lindholm was brought in to play on the third line, but he got that opportunity right off the bat because Bill Peters, and he just he stole that spot and never gave it back up. To yeah. Neil. So if you have a guy who I think I, I do think Lindholm is actually a pretty decent comparable to Levo. I don't think Levo skates as well or as 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 physical or is touches the the game in as many areas. But I mean, he's a good shooter. And he shoots more than Lindholm. I think that's the other difference. So, I mean, if Gaudreau can get Lindholm going from being a 11-goal scorer to a perennial 30-goal guy, I don't see why Josh Levo can't score a 20-goal clip this year if he's playing with Gaudreau. And, I mean, even if he's not, I think he's still, again, like if he's playing with Sam Bennett and Dylan Dubé or Derek Ryan and Dylan Dubé, I still think he's probably a 10-15 to 15 goal guy. Yeah. On a, in a third line role, even even still. Yeah. Now here's one more angle to throw at you, because we've been talking about this, we've been discussing this. If you're if you're management of the Calgary Flames and you want to continue to maximize Johnny Gaudreau, it seems to us this has been our last kind of bit of analysis is that Johnny is is um, starting to suffer a bit in terms of playing with two finishers that yeah. don't generate that generate enough play on their own. Um, if you're Johnny Gaudreau and you look down this roster, who do you want your linemates to be? I think I think he would automatically say, "I want to play with Sean Monahan, regardless." Yeah. Um, I don't, man. Are we ever going to see the Matthew Kachuk Johnny Gaudreau thing? I think honestly, dude, probably not. If if I'm Jeff Ward, I'm starting the season with Matthew Kachuk Johnny Gaudreau on the top line, um, and. I'm going to wait until the team is in a position where it either that doesn't work for the top line or it doesn't work for the rest of the depth. But that's how I'm starting because I feel like you can maximize both those guys if they're playing together. We 100% agree, and we've been beating this drum for goddamn ever, it seems. It's just like the fact that we've never seen it, not even once, like not even trying it. Like the fact that you saw them change the lines and they put Gaudreau with Lucic and Derek Ryan, and we haven't seen Johnny Gaudreau and Matthew Kachuk play five on five for any extended period of time, is mind blowing to me. It's just like, especially if you're a coach who's coming into a struggling team, it's like that just is like such an easy like right. It's like a cheat code. It's like yeah, we've we've seen very short spurts of those two guys playing together. They've looked great together. They they obviously have some chemistry. They both are incredibly skilled. Your two most skilled players, like I just, it doesn't make any sense to me why you wouldn't at least try it. Yeah. Well, here's the way I look at it too: is like, if you want to look at this roster, 
hey, if things were were fine and you were clicking like you were in seven, uh, 18, 19, then why why bother? Like you don't need to. But if you're looking at comparing it to last year, the offensive struggles that you had, um, like you said, if it's a cheat code, if you if playing those two players together gives you the greatest opportunity to dominate the game offensively, then why not try it and see if you can have the rest of your roster and your lineup, you know, fill in the rest of the gaps. Yeah, it's just like it's like a big rock. Like you know that analogy when you're trying to get shit done, it's like you do your big exactly. rocks first and then fill everything yeah. else in. It's like that seems like an easy big move to make that would have the biggest return on investment. It's just like I agree. it it reminds me of the dry saddle McDavid thing. It's like sure probably like the team as a whole probably works better when they're apart, but when they're together, like holy shit, they are unstoppable. I just don't get it's why you don't try be- it. It's funny because they score six. They can score six goals in a game, like yeah. they do against Chicago, and still lose. <laughs> um, so if if they could figure out the you know the pebbles in the sand, that's all I'm suggesting yeah. is like why not give that rock like you're saying, put that in first, and if the rest of the team can you know adjust to support that line, um, that might be the way to go. And like we've said, if I'm like honestly, if I'm Jeff Ward. This is, if you're ever going to try it, why not now? Why wouldn't you start the season coming out of the gate like that? Put your stamp on this team. Shake things up a bit. Um, now is the time to try it. If if not now, I don't think there's ever going to be a chance for it to happen. Like, you need to see it this year, I think. And, like, right off the bat. And I mean, well, I, yeah, I think- give them an give them an extra couple weeks in training camp to yeah. gel together because that's always something we see in the past. Is like, oh, they got like two games together and they went back to the normal lines. Yeah, exactly. Like we saw Gaudreau, we What did we see in, against Vegas? They played Gaudreau with uh, Lindholm and Chuck, and that was it. It was like one game. That was it. So, you know, it's just it's sitting there, and I, I mean. I do think the team needs to be better than just, like, the only way they're going to succeed is if there's certain line combinations. So, like, yep. that that I understand, but it's just, I don't understand why, like, you have something that I think a lot of people would think that's kind of shown, like, they've played on the power play, been deadly together on the power play so much. It's just, like, put them together and just try it and try to build everything around those two, around that afterwards. And if you I need a night, it. like, if you need a night where you're playing a really skilled team and they have one line who's really good and you need to you need to reunite the 3M line for a single night to shut them down then you can do that. But I just think on most nights if Johnny Joe and Matthew Chuck are jumping over the boards at the same time together that's going to be a huge problem for a lot of other teams. Oh my god, could you imagine trying uh, to fend those two together? Stop imagining. For, it's just And then like honestly, what what better way to round out Sean Monahan? Like the argument has been Sean Monahan's defensive game in the last 3 years has gotten to a point where it's now hindering him to, to like at, at many points of the season last year, your goals expected you were, you ex- the team expected to score more goals with Johnny and Monty off the ice. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like it, like again, now is the time you come out of the gate, roll this out. I would play those three together. You got these other additions. Why not try them in the top six to start off? You can always go back and readjust later. Yeah, totally agree. All right, uh, Dominic Simone. Let's get to it. I think I mentioned at the top of this is that he intrigues me the most. I would, to start the season, I would rather see him 
with Johnny and Monty than Levo personally. Mm, interesting. Um, but we'll get into the whys. So this guy was uh, drafted in 2015, round five, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So he played in uh, the, the Czech leagues, and he came right from the Czech leagues into the the AHL, the expansion or the expansion the um, the club for the the Pittsburgh Penguins. It used to be Wilkes-Barre Scranton. What is it now? Is it still Scranton? It must be. Yeah, it is still Wilkes-Barre, right? Yeah, Wilkes-Barre Scranton, still. So he played, uh, I guess, two and a half seasons in the AHL, and then he was playing with the, the the Penguins in a regular lineup. I think so. Another another going back to Rick Francis. Uh, Francis said that Crosby emphatically wanted to play with Simone. He's one of those guys that he picked out and targeted. Um, I think probably if you know. The Pittsburgh Penguins had figured out that if they want the cheat code, they put Crosby and Malcolm together, and they're deadly on the power play. But if you want to round out your depth throughout the rest of the lineup, you split them up. So Crosby's always looking for that one guy that, you know, he can just keep feeding. I looked at all Simone's goals. Pretty much 90 to 95% of them are all assisted by Crosby. Yeah. Um, And 80% of those are all primary assists. And 25% of those are, like, the most unbelievable feeds. <laughs> so I think, you know, you got to look at uh, Simone's stats, which, I mean, they're not incredible either with a bit of a grain of salt because he's playing with the best player in the world. Yeah. Um, setting him up. But on the other side of that, he's had time to play with the best player in the world. So um, it's kind of like that thing where if a guy's want to stay on the cup, He's got that experience. It goes that extra, you know, that'll take things a little bit, you know, further. So, um, having said that, if he's played with Crosby, I think it bodes well. Yeah, like, I mean, he had a really, really good 18-19 season. Like, he was excellent, um, both defensively and offensively. Um, I've just been looking at some, some micro stats. Like, he's really good at retrieving pucks. So, pretty much what would happen is... Crosby dumped the puck in. He'd go get it and then get it back to Crosby, essentially. So yep. he, he seems to be a very good forechecker, a guy who, you know, I mean, if that's the, the style the Flames are playing this year, if it's going to continue into the 2021 season, that fits very well. He's a guy who can forecheck. He's very good in his own zone. I mean, he wasn't so much last year, but the two years previous. So I, I, I kind of, I think the easiest comparable for me to him, to Flames fans, is he's a similar guy to Froelich. Yeah, that's um, a good back good when Fro Leak was really effective. Good two way player. Yeah. Probably he could be the next. He could be the next Fro Leak. This is he only has two and a half seasons under his belt. Yeah. Um, I mean, he is twenty six years old. I mean, we might see some upside here in the next two three years. Yeah, probably probably should score more than he. That's that's one of the things I've heard from Penguins fans is like Crosby set him up all the time and he missed the net or fire it wide or he could never finish so. He probably doesn't have the upper upper end skill, maybe that Fro League or the finishing ability that he has, but he's a good play driver, good in his own zone, good on the forecheck. So, I think he can carve out a pretty nice, probably bottom six role on the Flames, yep. middle six role. But no, I really like this pickup. I mean, I always loved Michael Fro and his game really fell off a cliff there. Um near the end of his tenure, but if Simone could be a similar guy, like, I mean, I, I really like this pick. 
pick up. He's good in the neutral zone too, moves the puck well through the neutral zone. And again, playing with Crosby, he was able to retrieve the puck like crazy that one year. So there's some yeah, upside wa- here. Watching some of the highlights, to me, he seems like a more crafty player uh, than Levo. Levo, to me, yeah. is kind of just like straight lines. You know what you're going to get. He's got a great shot. He can finish. Um, Simone seems to me like he can be play a little bit more creative. Yeah, totally. Um, just the fact that you mentioned he can go and get that puck and retrieve it. He knows where to find Crosby, and he knows where to get open. Um, that's why to me, I, the upside of Simone intrigues me more than Levo because I, I don't know what we're going to get. And I feel like he has a p- potential to actually blossom into a top six player if we get lucky. Um, and I don't know, top six minutes is I think what he might need in the first, uh, bit of the season to actually see what, what we have like if he if he's one of those guys that's destined for the bottom six and you know he's just gonna slowly waste away it's kind of like what do you do and you just kind of waste it yeah like like there might be opportunity here that we need to explore and in order to do that you got to give him a shot um at some legitimate playing time with some solid players this is my this is how i look at it yeah no i totally agree and i mean the thing that i'm curious about is like again like it all comes back to strategy with me is like well how are you going to utilize this guy and for what purpose? The thing that I think that I, I really find intriguing is, like again, we're talking about this third line. Like if you can finally have an effective third line for once, like could if he's a similar guy to Froelich, who's very good in his own zone, and he can, he can you know he he plays that kind of like you said crafty style, touches a lot of areas of the ice. Like could you have a revamped, like if he plays with Michael Backlund on like a revamped third line, like you could have an effective as shit third line. If it was like Backlund, Simone, and like Dubé or Derek Ryan or something, like that that could be a possession monster, and it could create matchup nightmares for another team if you have a line as effective in their own zone and in the offensive zone as the three as the former three M line used to be, like Backlund for leak combination specifically. I'm thinking like that could be a huge advantage for this team. Yep, and again, coming back to this, the start of the season is the time to try it. Like, why if you're Jeff Ward? Why don't you sit down with uh, uh, Snow, look at all the potential angles from a from a just on paper perspective, see what you know might work. But like, why don't we? Why not start Gaudreau and Kachuk together? And like you just said, revamp a third line, just mix things right up. Um, there's aspects of the this roster that worked really well, predominantly that predominantly that second line throughout the regular season and then the third line in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, like I mean. The second line, we know Chucky drives that line. So I don't know. I th- I just kind of like that idea of like, why don't we just shake it all up? We got all these new players that can potentially play these new roles. Um, if it doesn't work, you know, 15, 20 games in, what's what's the worst case? Right. You're, you're going to be a, a couple games below 500. You can go back to what you know it works if you have to. Um, but right now might be the time to like, maybe that'll just push things to a new level. Totally, totally agree. So, again, like if you want, even just for value alone, if you think the Flames swapped him out for Jankowski, I like that a lot. He's a league minimum guy, and I know most people are expecting him to play in the fourth line, but I'm, I don't know. I really do see him getting some third line minutes just based on you know he's played with Crosby. He didn't play there very on the Penguins top line very effectively last year, but. I really expect him to get some middle six, get a look in the middle six, just because he's a great, good skater, 
good four checker. Like again, he's good in a lot of areas of the ice. So he's a great passer. So I kind of see him on a, on a on a third line, maybe as a nice playmaking defensive first winger. So I think this is probably the most intriguing pickup of the off season. Yeah, I would agree. That's why I'm I'm I don't mind seeing him thrown even in the top six to start off the season just to see. Yeah. The only thing that like people are saying is like like I said that lack of finishing ability like remember Chase on playing with <laughs> Goudreau and Monahan it was like Johnny would set him up for like a goddamn empty netter and he'd fucking floor it into yeah. row six. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> um, and I I think maybe now's a good time. This is like I was kind of thinking about this. It's just like you know thinking well maybe he's destined for a bottom six role and I got to thinking about it like. Think of a guy like Sam Bennett. How hard is it in the NHL to be in a bottom six role? That can't be easy. Like, I don't think it, I think it's a little underlooked in terms of like how challenging that probably is as a player. Like you have the, these players or anybody that plays in the NHL was elite pretty much in any league they played with. Right. You know, until they got to the NHL. So to be in a third line role, like Sam Bennett has wasted away for a large portion of his NHL career so far. I mean, it's got to be challenging. Well, can you imagine? He's drafted four, Sam. He's drafted fourth overall, right behind yeah. Leon Dreisaitl, who is just one, <laughs> who's winning all these awards and scoring insane points. And you're Sam Bennett, and you're kind of just farting around on the Flames' fourth line for the past four years. Yeah, I'm sure, that's insanely frustrating. So, I mean, I wouldn't mind trying him, maybe with a Monty Johnny combo. Like, think of Yuri Hudler. Obviously, Hudler was. Um, you know, he's a more he skilled already, player for sure. He more skilled, already established. Uh, they're both. Hitler was Czech too, wasn't he? Yeah, I think they're both Czech. Mm-hmm. Um, we know we love our Czechs, David yep. Riddick. I watched a couple of videos with him off the ice. He seems pretty funny. David Riddick. So, um, I don't know. Yeah, this is probably I, I, probably you're not going to see him in the top line, but you know he did play with Sid. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if he got a shot with Johnny Money, what he might do. Because then you could put Lindholm uh, on the wing with Backlund and Chucky. That might be cool. Yeah. You drop Monge down, put Monge with Levo, which I already kind of suggested might be a good fit. Levo and Bennett and Monge. But then you, where do you put Dubé? And this is, again, the problem is just like... Well, I mean... You can't, they, keep, you can't keep bumping yeah. guys down the roster, and you know, perpetually when it's kind of like... I don't know. Again, this would be, I we wouldn't even bring this up if it wasn't for the fact that okay, what we've seen in the past is guys who probably have been more deserving be like suppressed because of dipshits yeah. like Troy Brower or Alex Chason or like Bill putting in Reader all the fucking time when like Dubé was just was still was sitting there like you see Ronaldo like you saw Ronaldo played most of the playoff games for fuck's sake. Like it wouldn't even be a concern for me having all these bodies with good players, until you think, oh, good, we're gonna scratch Simone and and uh, Dubé tonight because uh, Nordstrom and Ronaldo are playing. Exactly. Um, so alternatively, I don't know. I kind of feel like him and Kachuk might even be a good combo. Dude, Kachuk um, and anybody is a good combo. Exactly. So I don't know. Maybe he fits there, but then again, so it's like, well, then what do you do with Monge? What do you do with Backlund? Like, who's going down? And it's kind of like trying to solidify this, you know, gaping hole in the top six with non-top six players. Yeah. Then it bumps down your other, 
you know, bubble top six. I don't know. It's just, it's a perpetual problem. Yeah, it's like trying to construct a house with like some, like a wall of the house, like duct tape. It's like you have a few, you have a few pieces. You got Lindholm, Gaudreau, Monahan, Kachuk, Mangiapane. Even then it's just like you got a fucking roll of duct tape just sitting there. And you're like, oh, let's try a band-aid for a bullet wound pretty much. Not to that extent, but that's kind of where our, yeah, where your frustration and my frustration comes in. is like, well, if you just address the need... Like that, it's like if you put as much effort into like just signing one guy to act, act like fulfill exactly. that role in perpetuity for like four or five years, you wouldn't have to do this rigmarole every year where you're just trying to find diamonds in the rough all the time. You just like yep. find a guy who can do the role and then worry, like then you can fill out the rest of your roster. Yep. So my, my synopsis on Simone is I, I think he does add depth to your forward group. Yeah. I like, but, that but like, but like we have seen in the few years, like maybe that's not what you need. You don't really need more bottom six guys that, you know, to their parallel, you're going to have more guys wasting away now. But I feel like the perfect fit for Simone is similar to a Derek Ryan where he's just a utility guy that can fill in gaps. He can play up and down the lineup. If an injury happens on the top line and he needs to fill in for five games, he can do it pretty seamlessly. Um, I, that's kind of where I see the perfect fit for him. Yeah, that's a good so maybe, so maybe he is kind of a fourth line, third line guy, but just like Ryan, he'll jump up and down the lineup. Yeah, that's a really good comparable. I like that a lot. He's like that Pokemon that changes form to suit the needs of whatever the team needs him to be. Yeah. However, there's a part of me still intrigued that I feel like if you want to put a ceiling on this guy, he could round out, um, you know, a top six role and just give you more depth. So I don't know. I'll, I'm curious to see. He to me, he's the most intriguing out of the three. Yeah, me too. Like the, curious in the like, I I I could see. Like I do, I think he could be the most impactful when the year is done of all the, of all the forward signings. Yeah, and it could, and a lot of that can be, come down to who he plays with. Yeah, totally. Anything else in terms of advanced stats you want to cover with Simone? I don't think so. Or do you want to jump right to Yorkie? Let's go to you. The thing, the one thing on Simone that I just think is interesting is that he he does seem to be a pretty good playmaker. Like a lot of his passing metrics are great, especially in the offensive zone, like moving the puck in there. So I, it, I I'm not skeptical of him playing with Kadro Monahan, but I do think he does have some skill. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we meant I did mention Hoodler. Yeah. A former player, previous player. Um, it's time for a quick plug. Um, the, the life after hockey podcast where he, he interviews a whole bunch of his niches, ex players. So he was an ex player himself, Red Deer Rebels, uh, played four games with the Canucks in the NHL, spent most of his time in the AHL. And then he rounded his career somewhere overseas, um, playing pro hockey, but he's had some good yeah, guests he, on. Yeah. He had Sopel Brock McGillis. Ted Nolan. Who, yeah, Ted Nolan, the old coach. Um, so here's a little plug uh, for his his podcast. You can check it out. My name is Brad Lieb. I am a former professional hockey player, and this is the Life After Hockey podcast. This is the place where I'll be interviewing former players and exploring their life after hockey journeys, including their successes, challenges, and the causes that they are passionate about. So please... Join me on the Hockey Podcast Network every Saturday for new episodes and follow me on Twitter at Brad M. Lieb for all my podcast updates. And until then, 
keep going, and enjoy your life. Brent Sopel would be interesting. You talk about, you know, greasy. It's weird. Like, honestly, Brent, it's weird. Brent Sopel is like a guy who I forgot existed until you say his name. And I'm like, oh, my Lord. Like, all those years he pl- spent playing for the Canucks. Yeah. Like, I hated Brent Sopel when he played. Like, oh, all those Canucks from that era. Yarko yeah. Rutu, Brent Sopel, Matthias Oland, all those guys. He was a, he was a warrior. Hey? He's kind of like. Oh, yeah. I don't, know, he, I don't know how they compare metrics-wise, but he reminds me of Rhett Warner. He reminds me of, like. A mo- uh, olden day Chris Tanev, even the way he looks. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. The long hair, <laughs> just like like no teeth, long hair, just literally the embodiment of a hockey player. Yeah, just grease ball. Eh? Yeah, exactly. Greasy. All right, let's round things out with uh, Joachim Nordstrom. Um, out of the yeah, I, I don't know. Like I think we mentioned this. Out of the three players, probably you know has the smallest expectations coming in. I think he's destined for the fourth line slash thirteenth forward. He's gonna be in the. He's gonna be competing for a spot with Ronaldo and whoever else is gonna be in and out of the lineup. Yeah, he's I. I just don't get this signing. Like again, like I said, he's pretty much reader. I. Just, I, I don't know. He's, he's fine. Like I think. Oh, he's but probably, he won us. He won us Stanley Cup though. Oh right. He knows and what it takes Lindholm's to win. He's best. He's Lindholm's buddy. The thing that kind of worries me about him, like, because you say, "Oh yeah, he's destined to be the thirteenth forward," but I mean, we saw how Reader was utilized this year by Jeff Ward. Are oh we gonna, yeah. Are we gonna see the same kind of thing where it's like, he, why is Nordstrom playing on the top six? Yeah. Like he shouldn't even well, be playing. Period. And and that was one of the early comments we had before the Levo and Simone signings. Yeah. So or signings. So if those hadn't taken place, I we would see him in the top six. You know we would have. Yeah. I don't think we will now because we you know the other pickups. But yeah. So I mean he's gonna be again. I hope he's like a thirteenth forward. Like he really doesn't bring much. The thing is that I don't understand. Everyone's like, oh, he's so good in his own zone. It's like he's okay, but he's like pretty okay. mid. Because that was the question I had for you. I, looking at his counting stats, he's definitely not a point producer. So is he better no. at defense? Like, what's what's the upside on on Yorky Dorky? Do like, there's really that's the thing is like I don't see a ton of upside for a guy who could. Like, I mean, the thing I keep hearing from Bruins fan is that, and again, this is something you can't really quantify. I guess is like he he plays really so he's like reader, but he works his butt off and plays pretty physical. So, okay. I mean, there's that. Well, I, but, I mean, I nothing did... really stands out to me about his five-on-five defensive metrics at all. He doesn't really do much. I mean, he he does show some, again, ex- like like I said, like even all of his underlying numbers are similar to Reader. Like, cannot score to save his life. Pretty much below or placement in every five-on-five category, but, like, maybe kind of okay on the penalty kill. That's kind of it. Yeah. And, I mean, sure, you, you know, you need those players in your lineup, and if Reader's... You know, gone on to greener pastures. I, I guess. I guess I don't really mind it. He's making league minimum too, right? Yeah, seven hundred k. Okay. Yeah, I so don't I give don't, a shit. It's just the, the I don't, fact that we saw how Reader was utilized last year. Way too. Well, long. that's that's what it comes down. I don't mind the yeah. player in the signing in a vacuum, but when you're anticipating how he's going to be executed and utilized, then to me, that's when I start to worry. Yeah. Exactly. But the the fact that we got these other signings. I don't think there's as much to worry about, but you, you never know. You got Jeff Ward behind the bench, so. Yeah, and the thing, like, I get, like, honestly, it's probably just because he's Lindholm's friend is that he's there because you do need, injuries are going to happen. You need guys who can play, but 
I mean, he's so he's a defense. He's a defense only fourth line guy. Similar. Are we anti- are we anticipating then seeing a line of um, Lucic, Nordstrom, and Ronaldo? Would that be pretty scrappy? Did you see the fight with Yanni Gord? Nordstrom could scrap. <laughs> yeah. No, is, can, is Nordstrom, he a scrapper? He, he Nord, looks like Nord, his hair is naturally blonde, but it looks like it's bleached. That's the, Nordstrom and Gord uh, have a fight on YouTube. It's a pretty good fight. And Speaking Nordstrom of, just as an aside, well. there's a fight between Ronaldo and Aguinla when Ronaldo was in Philly. So he nails Jerome, drills him into the boards, and then just fucking decks him. And with like a one punch and ends the fight. It's insane. I feel did bad you for see? Jerome. Did you see today's um, news clipping of Jerome, Jerome in Boston? So I'll stop on the side of the road doing a weather forecast. Did you see that? Local or Canadian man, right? The, the man from Canada, the Canada man, Boston area <laughs> man. They didn't know it was him. It's like a Clay Thompson thing. They didn't That's know hilarious. it was Jerome. That was hilarious. That's so funny. Okay, so I don't know. There's not really much more to go into with Nordstrom. Like you said, Reader 2.0, I don't think we'll see a lot of him. He's probably going to come in on a fourth-line role, and he might be in out of the lineup. But serviceable, I don't – like, does he PK? Yeah. Okay, so we'll see him on the PK. Um, Like you said, he's friends with Lindholm. That's (laughs) – we got a lot of Swedes on the team now. I mean, yeah, he's a physical guy. I think if you you had to just sum him up, he's a more physical version of Reader. That's probably it. And I think people, again, because Reader did a few good things this year, everyone's like, oh, Reader's awesome. Like Steinberg was, I have never heard Steinberg so upset on air about anything than when (laughs) Tobias Reader signed in Buffalo. He was like, oh, no, Tobias Reader, I'm so upset. It's like, like we've said a hundred times, for what Reader was supposed to do, Reader did way more with then his god-given ability would ever allow him to do right 100 percent. but he shouldn't have been utilized the way he was so i like i don't want to seem like we're always shitting on reader reader was not a very good player he did a very good job in what he was supposed to do but then they should have just stopped it right there okay so there you go flames fans there's your uh your three new forward additions thus far anyways there's not much cap room left so that's probably all we're gonna see um we'll we'll, we'll get to the other players in another podcast Until then, go Flames go.